0: weekly discussion about beer over beer by a couple of guys that think about beer way too much
1: hey y'all it's five o'clock on monday and we're stealing beer i'm augie carton hey i'm john hall Kennedy hey, is
0: is here from Brooklyn. Brian Cass is joining us poolside from his villa down the Jersey Shore. So uh, uh, he, he's 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 living that dream, and that's that is where my mind is. We're doing this show. I'm going to pack the car, and then I'm 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 at a Dodge for a couple of days. So this is this is my senioritis show right now, and I I'm I'm I'm, I'm, thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled for you guys
1: to all be a part of it with me. So we've got to create a moment in the show at about thirty-eight minutes where the minute hand on the clock goes back one minute to go forward two. Right. <laughs> yeah, is is that what is that what we owe you? That's what I'm hoping for. Nice. All right. So let's let. What's that? What's that echo? Is that gonna? Is that something I can control? I don't know. I don't hear it. Do you hear it? Okay then. I definitely hear something funny. All right. Uh, When this releases, somebody, some thief, tell us what happened. Anyway, let's talk to Brian Hunt, uh, owner, founder of Moonlight in Santa Rosa. How you doing, Brian? Uh, Doing just fine. Right on. Um, So amongst a million other things you've done, you are... Tell tell me when I make mistakes here, but you're primarily a lager maker who's gone through a series of partner that includes Green Flash Heineken and Patrick Rue. Is that all correct? Nope. Okay. Tell nope, me where nope. I'm I don't know about the Green Flash part, but Lagunitas got you. Sorry. I was yeah. thinking Green Flash was how Heineken got in, but that would obviously be Lagunitas. Yep. But if you swap that, what I've said is true. Uh,
2: I think so. The lager part, yes. Uh, the Lagunitas part, uh, lagers and Lagunitas both sound about the same. And then the Heineken, yes. And and they're gone. So there's that.
1: Yes. I So I am most interested in two conversations with you. One, what it's like to be a lager, primarily lager brewer who teams up with a primarily IPA brewer and then possibly the true inventor of the uh dessert stout if you will the what do they call them pastry stout pastry stouts. Um thank you.
0: And then he was doing them before they even had a name. Uh, yeah he uncategorizable I, I, in the beginning it
1: always cracks me up when people ignore that patrick rue was who i first called to figure out how to put peanut in a beer in 2012 <laughs> um right like like when i was like i'm gonna put peanuts in a beer i think it's freezer peanut hey patrick what do i do he had the ready answer because he'd done it a lot at that point but so that's one like what that what it's like to be partnered up with these and then obviously heineken is the other end of the primarily lager brewer spectrum so those dynamics are similar but what's truly interesting to me is as a you know small brewery creative type do you find you like in my imagination of myself i don't know that i would i'd have a lot of fun with patrick but I'd probably learn a lot more from Heineken because they do everything differently than I think to do anything. Whereas, although I think Patrick is a genius and, you know, top level of what I do, I don't think we necessarily do, you know, I think we're born of the same kind of Genesis. So I'm just wondering if you, if you see those contrasts and how they were experienced You know, like I imagine, I know nothing about marketing or business or cogs and things like that, and that's all Heineken knows. Whereas Patrick, (laughs) I just be whereas with Patrick, I just be like, hey, how do I, you know? Okay, we did that. Now I want to put cashew butter in a beer, Patrick. You know what I mean? I one would encourage my bad habits, if you will. Anyway, (laughs) so you pick which one you want to dive into, and I'll follow you that way.
2: All right, well, let me start with, when I got out of brewing school, I went to UC Davis, got out in 1980. I went to work for Schlitz. And wow, at Schlitz, that's
3: neat. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was back in Milwaukee and uh, was there a year and a half until they closed the plant. But you know, the most I learned from Schlitz was how to make shitty beer and how customers actually eventually noticed and turn on you. And uh, you mentioned Heineken has a different perspective than I do, uh, or than you assume that I do, which is true. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot, as you were exactly right, you learn from what not to do. Okay. And that was the, the best lessons I learned at Schlitz was, it's not just about, can you make beer? Any fool can make beer. Can you make beer that's drinkable? That's a little harder. Can you make beer that's drinkable consistently? That's much harder. And can you make one that customers will actually give you money for? Um, I, I remember early on, there was another Moonlight Brewery that started in uh, Massachusetts, I believe. And, and I'm kind of like, ah, oh, shit, I gotta deal with trademark names and stuff. And I read an interview on the guy back when all you could read was in paper instead of online.
0: I remember that And
2: the interview said,
0: oh, he was was John's heyday. (laughs) He was
2: sitting around with his friends and and they're all drinking his beer and said it's wonderful, which, you know, when you're given free beer from someone who made it, you generally say it's good and drink it, Um, especially if you're not paying for it. And they said, God, you'd be a fool not to open a brewery. So when I heard that line, I realized he wasn't gonna last long. (laughs) because you know you don't start by saying "Well, god i know i can do this i should no there's a lot you have to go through a lot of torture to realize you really should do this because god it's a lot of damn work and it's not all the cool stuff. You know, brewing is, is you think, of it's cool at all, yeah, but it is 90% cleaning. Okay, then running a brewery is about the same ratio of fun stuff. Um, but it's what you have to do to get good beer out in the, on the trade and, and use that as a profession. You have to deal with those 10% satisfaction rates. So um, there's a lot about, uh, from Schlitz, Understanding marketing, um, or how not to. Um, And I learned from Heineken, too, um, just different angles and the different uh, statistical analysis they'd use to make a business decision. And um, there's a lot I learned that I didn't want to do, mostly by that point, Since that was 2016, i had been doing it since 92. I kind of had a pretty good sense what I was doing. Um,
1: (laughs) Did they try to talk you into a green bottle?
2: uh, No, they did try (laughs) to talk me into 22-ounce bottles. Um,
1: They're like, the only good thing for lager.
2: (laughs) Well, no, they basically said that, uh, you know, we have extra capacity with 22-ounce bottles. Why don't you bottle it in Petaluma? And I kind of thought that was a dumb idea. And we we had some disagreement over that. Um, let's say in perpetuity, I think.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, understood, very cool. Um, John, should I, what brings us together now or should I pull no, up can, the,
0: I, can, can, can we hold it for one second? Because I wanted to jump back to the Schwitz days really quick because I, as a brewer who was there at the time, the stories that I always kept hearing uh, later on in life was that one of the things that led to the downfall was the use of stabilizers in the beer. <laughs> okay, you know, it's kind of get in line. Okay.
2: Um, <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. I, I One thing I contribute to or I attribute uh, success of Moonlight's beers is the fact that I'm a brewer and I own the thing. And so you have a business decision and it's made by someone who loves beer and is going to be drinking the beer and caring about the beer and talking about the beer even on internet shows that hadn't been exist, you know, in existence yet. <laughs> um, whereas Robert Eline, who was then, uh, I don't know his official title, basically running Schlitz, uh, I think had a more financial background, and accounting background. Um, I did learn contempt for accountants in breweries uh, from that time. Um, let me see, where do we start? Uh, Schlitz was one of the first breweries to use uh, high gravity brewing. Um, they installed uh, four new brew kettles in the brew house there. And then I don't think they used them more than a year before they went, oh, Jesus, let's just add more water later in the process. And we save a whole lot of work and we don't even need to use these kettles. Oh, so there's that. Uh, they uh, they were a lager brewery, but they had a figured out a brilliant plan to ferment at 60 Fahrenheit and have stirred fermenters. They were the only people I knew that had stirred fermenters.
1: And um, without 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 giving it credence, do you know what the thinking was on that? Like, like why would um, stirring affect? You know what I mean. If if you're fermenting eight to ten Fahrenheit too warm, what is stirring going to change?
2: I just I can't um,
1: conceive what the thinking would be there.
2: Well, you keep yeast in suspension, and you know because when fermentation is is. Slowing down, the yeast fall and then bury <laughs> themselves under the next layer of yeast, and those yeast are no good for cleaning up dialys- dialysis. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, yeah, I diacible, we have
2: gotten Thank older. you.
3: <laughs> um,
2: and and there's some flavor improvements. I'm pretty sure from having the yeast still around. And at the same time, you can then, if you have all the yeast in suspension or a lot of it. You can then run into centrifuges, and I don't know if they were some of the first ones to use centrifuges, but they they get got to them right away, um, because that was a time savings, and part of what they wanted to do is crank it out uh, out of fermentation in six and a half days, so uh, it just made Jesus. logistical sense. <laughs> uh, now it's out of fermentation, then it went to aging, so you know yeah, another couple still that's, couple of weeks in aging, but that's still um, remarkably fast. Well, it's very different from what anheuser Bush did using the beechwood chips in a kreuzening tank. Uh-huh. Um, and there you have the same concept. You know, beechwood chips, they look like long drawn out uh, uh, shavings of wood. And in the end, they packed a tank as if you have a bag of potato chips. Now, you, you look at the airspace in a bag of potato chips. Now, imagine if that was your where your yeast was happening, doing croisoning, and then your yeast falls. It can't fall very far before it lands on a, well, potato chip or, yep. you know, yeah. uh, a chunk Or of, shaving uh, wood of wood. Shav- right. And, um, and I should mention, the beechwood chips were flavor neutral. There was no wood flavor. They were right. only there for the function of keeping yeast in contact with the beer, not burying yeast under layers of, additional layers of yeast as they fall, but keeping that
1: yeast contact to improve flavor. That's a, so, you know, what's funny is I, I know bits of that, like beechwood being flavor neutral and being wonderfully porous for nucleation points for, or flock points for yeast, but, um. But I had no idea that that was the benefit of it. I always imagined they were sitting in the bottom of the tank, and just you know saving filtration at the other end. That's thanks for teaching me that. That's super fucking cool. Anyway, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. But I, I no. knew half of that story, but the wrong half. You know what I mean? No, I, I think it's fascinating as hell. I mean, all these
2: processes that are used uh, did something, um, and you know, Beachwood aging. They they kept using that. An advertisement, and I believe on the cans and bottles for a long time. Oh, yeah. I remember Beachwood aged beer. On, oh, uh, yeah. That was their feature. big,
0: yeah.
2: Because it was expensive. So they wanted to tout the fact that they were making better quality beer than some folks, let's just
1: say. Let me ask you a question. Um, Was it the same, C- like, would you CIP? Would they, not you, but you know what I mean, the, the grand you. Would they CIP with the beechwood in, or was it new beechwood every oh, cycle? No, they
2: pulled them out and they washed them. They had little, kind of like torpedoes that they would use to haul them around on wheels that run them between tank to tank. Um, gotcha. Wouldn't be surprised since everything I know most about the brewery in Fairfield, California. That's the only one I've, of AV that I've ever been in. And I remember seeing them there years ago. But I also remember seeing humans. In the brewery, walking around dragging hose, and there's none of that today. Yeah, uh, I was gonna. People... I was
1: gonna. I didn't want to be mean to our friends, or not our friends. Most our friends still know what clean is, but as I walk around breweries, as a dozen-year person in the business, I'm noticing a remarkable difference between clean and tidy. And I meant to mention that, but I think a lot of that is walking around with hose. Um, all right, so I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I need to talk about what brings us together on Steal This Beer, Oh which yeah, is a candid conversation of beer, what it is, not what we thought it would be, what it's doing, <laughs> not what we were told it would do, and how it tastes, not how hard it was to get. This is easy to get because Justin Kennedy mailed it to all of us. Um, John and I are drinking blind out of opaque black glasses. Indeed, And, and so you have it, you have it, you don't know what you're drinking, too. Did you get it in the same artisanal artisanal paper we did, Brian? Artisanal uh, tinfoil?
2: Artisanal tinfoil, yes. Mm. And I'm drinking it out of a clear glass. It's very okay, beautiful so you can see the color. glass,
1: actually. Can yes, I, I can see the color. Question? So can I ask you to a question? The top of my can is popped, which made me assume I was about to have a slushy beer, and I thought Justin was trolling Brian by sending a you know silly beer out and then i tasted it and it tastes like a super clean pretty fresh lager oh yeah so I, I was befuddled by my popped can are the both of you in a normal normal crowned can yes yeah okay. mine doesn't so mine, was just, mine was just mine was just shipping damage okay fine but my mine looks like it was gonna blow red liquid all over me when I popped it, and then tastes like this, you know, perfectly lovely little European, little bit of ashiness. Um, uh, sure. But, no one but, said
2: we could drink them yet, though. Is that? Is oh, it dude, you gotta be to drinking go? them
1: the whole time. You gotta be drinking oh, them. Jesus,
0: man! I've been looking at this thing <laughs> drooling the whole time. I I love that we that we sent you beers, but not the concept for the show uh, in advance, so that you're in a clear glass and you're not drinking.
1: I'm, I'm not even joking that this afternoon it occurred to me that, because I was trying to make up like a funny moniker for Justin, and while I was doing like DJJK and so on, it occurred to me that maybe this whole time Justin's been trolling us and the initials of Just Kidding has been buried <laughs> under our nose for 12 years. This whole show yeah. is so meta that it's just Justin. Yeah, it's just Justin waiting for yeah. us to be like, yeah. wait a second. We're see, this in William this whole Francis. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been JK the whole time. <laughs> anyway, right. it's a lovely beer. So it is a all right, lovely Brian, beer. you drink it yeah. and wrap your head around it. H- Hall, you tell me what you're getting that I'm not getting. Um
0: there's there's a very soft. Um, floral quality on the back end, uh, super crisp. There's maybe just like a touch of like, like citrus, uh, twinged hops, um, that oh, maybe nice. give a little bit of bitterness to like the mid palate. But like, aside from that, this is one of those ones where the second it hit the glass, um, I, I drank that pretty quick and now I've just been pounding the rest of it right out of the can. And, yeah, like, uh, that's what I, that's what I want. I, I want to move the computer and microphone into the backyard right now and just sit in a sunbeam and drink this
1: while it's still ice cold that's you're lucky if i drank this out of the can it would be a dribble glass because of the deformity of the top that just well. <laughs> but uh um, but i'm happy with my glass it is it's a lovely summer beer though right it is yeah this oh is it's fun. eminently drinkable so what's the weather out in santa rosa right now brian
2: uh, it's gorgeous. It's uh, currently about seventy-three Fahrenheit. Uh, a few scattered blue clouds.
1: Nice. So, me. so we've just come off. We've just come off a ridiculous heat wave, and today's like the first nice low eighties. Not a ton of humidity day. So this beer is very much driving with that. Feels for me. Um, Hall, remember you have a lot of driving to do after the show. As you pour this down your throat. All right, so Brian, have you had time to wrap your head around it? What are you getting from it? And as a lager brewer, do you respect it as much as I, a culinary brewer, do? No, I think think it's amazing. You
0: don't think that I've already, like, that I haven't already slid my keys across the table?
1: (laughs) Poor fucking April. I never want to put work on April. I'm happy to put work on you, but I want April to have her be. Come on, we got to beat the traffic. Let's go. (laughs) Come on, honey. (laughs) Take the seatbelt sorry anyway, go ahead yeah i was asking brian a question when you chimed in go on brian <laughs> i gotta
2: drive too but uh this is still quite drinkable no it's really nice and and the the word that i first heard from i think it was john that i liked a lot of soft um, yeah. and it I, I like that it's not uh, overly hopped uh there are a lot of lagers made by ipa brewers that uh, are kind of step-down IPAs. Like if you have an IPA mindset and you go, okay, well, we can tweak, tweak this by putting in less hops and we can use a, a crisper fermentation colder. And I think we can do that. This doesn't do that. This starts from scratch and said, let's just make a delicious beer. And let's make it soft, whether that was their water of choice uh, or the water that they had to work with. Um, I like it. I don't get the citrus as much. Uh, to me, it's uh, uh, the hops are a, a little bit elusive, uh, but they're they're perfectly balanced in the sense that they dance, they give floral component, they don't overpower the the wateriness of the beer. Um, it just works together very seamlessly. and to me, seamless. Uh, And the integration of the different components is a lot of what makes it, as I said, eminently drinkable. You just have it in your mouth and you just want to empty the glass and then go for the can, even if it dribbles. Um, (laughs) uh, To me, this beer nails that. It's soft. The head was gorgeous, but fell because I sat there watching it. I didn't know we're supposed to drink it. Kennedy. Um, (laughs) So I didn't get any good good foam characteristics out of it to taste, but uh, I, I think it's a perfect beer
1: nice so uh, that's I, I love it so the only thing i want to say before kennedy tells us what it is is you were talking about hops and the integration and i'm not sure if in my mind so when i smelled it i just thought noble i'm noble um, yeah noble noble oh, noble um and nondescript and I think the problem is like with a lot of the American hops, especially the ones we feature in dry hop, I'm pretty good at sussing out, if not the hop, the family of. And with well-constructed lagers, even if they're not using what Sam Adams coined as noble, when it, when it does sit right, like I think what you're talking about, like fully integrated, I just go to, oh, beer flavored beer, nicely done. Some and then I boil down to like spiciness or floralness within that character. Yeah. And as Jean said, I would call this more floral than spicy. But other than that, I'm just fine with that being all of the hop notes on a beer like this and moving on. I, as a lager brewer, do you often find yourself trying to pick apart the classic lager lager hops? And do you have a favorite of the those that you lean into, like I do with? Citra for pale ale or um, tetnanger for lagers. Uh, you're asking me that question? Yes, yes. John yes. doesn't know any of this. Oh yeah, John's no. a writer, Okay, man. I wasn't sure. John's a well, writer. John's not capable of answering that. Hey. Uh, well, first of all, noble, uh, the, the word
2: noble for Hobson was far before Sam Adams.
3: Uh, he just was the
2: one that uh, made it uh, uh, in radio ads much louder. Um, yeah, I do pick it apart to some degree, but I also hate picking apart a beer if it's just too beautiful that I, I don't want to analyze it into, you know, just a pile of crumbs on the floor. That uh, That's no fun. It's, it's like, I don't know. Um, yeah. it, and the hops, the hops, I would, I would guess are noble, but it could be uh something odd from New Zealand or something. Uh, it also, it, it reminds me of Goldings a bit, which, um. You know, I, I tried not to analyze the shit out of it. I just look for the beauty in it right now. Um, yeah. I did put my nose in it as the glass is, you know, only a third full and swirled, swirled it around. And um, it wasn't as fresh and delightful as I'd hoped for.
1: I'm actually smelling out of my dimpled can as you say that. And I'm getting a weird corn husk thing on the nose. But man, did I like drinking it. Yeah. Uh,
2: kind of want to say it's older and imported based on the smell um huh. and i would like to say when it was first put in a can it was more uh, uh more stunningly gorgeous um huh. you know there, the the soft word i liked but there was an ash word that someone mentioned That's me.
3: yeah
2: yeah it, i, I kind of want to say dusty and it's probably yeah. the same sort of character we have and i do like a dusty character in a beer um it it makes me like have a dry mouth and want to drink more.
1: Yeah, it's, it's that, that, that fun Ouroboros of pleasure and pain where you're like, my God, that's so wonderful. It's made me thirsty. I must drink more of it. Oh my God, I'm thirsty again. And that's, that's the fun of beer drinking, right? Like rinse, repeat. All right, so yeah, let's move on. I wanna, get, is, I, wanna, I wanna get to- One back more thing to, though, let me add go on, go on. if I yeah, can. Of course. It's also
2: got a creaminess, which is really nice. When, when you kind of slosh it in your mouth a little bit, it also creams and that goes with the smoothness of it and, and the non-aggressive hops. And uh, that's, that's
1: one further component, which I, I like. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lovely, I'm also hoping it's somewhere around four or 5% and not seven, because (laughs) I think, I think was, as we've all agreed, it, it wants to be drunk, you know. Copiously or or passionately, and not I don't want to have to check myself the whole way through. C Z E C H to myself. Um, all right. Okay. So is it so, a oh check is, <laughs> this is
3: This is from Allagash Brewing. It's called Beach Report Summer Lager. It's 4.2%. Um, Belgian grains, the hops are aramis, uh Drissel, Spalt, and Triskel, and Belgian Yag... Belgian lager yeast. Belgian, What's a Belgian
1: right. lager yeast? I've never heard that phrase. I don't know. Is that palm? palm? Well, no, if it was palm, no, no, that no, would make sense for my uses corno. Belgian lager yeast.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. All right, so cool. Can, uh, well done. So so Justin, Justin, while your mic is still turned on, you're confirming for us that Allegash has put you back on the payroll and they were right. mad you...
3: This is, this is the confirmation... Back right. into John,
1: make sure they're contributing to the Patreon at this point. Um, <laughs> they better be. <laughs> all right. So so let's get back to um so let's get to Patrick Rue because Rue is an idol of mine. When I was still, you know, passionate about other people's beers, I bought I've got like hundreds of bottles of brewery beers in the house and Every now and then I crack one open, even ten years old, and I'm shocked by what a good brewer Patrick is. But when you ended up in the Patrick circle, what like, like you know what I mean? As a guy, like I said, I'm not joking. When I was trying to get more, I'd made a beer with with freeze dried peanuts, and I was trying to get more peanut in it, but in a you know ingredients way, not a flavoring way. I called up Patrick who gave me great advice and I threw some, you know, flour, peanut flour in, and then spun it out in the centrifuge and it worked exactly as he promised it would.
3: Do you guys
1: get together and discuss, you know, recipe improvement, recipe development, any of that is, is there that kind of wonderful creativity to go on there or like, what's that relationship like? Well, actually Uh, I'll be
2: seeing him in an hour, so um, we'll tell him I say hi (laughs) we will do (laughs) Uh, we don't get into uh, flavors as much uh, and weird flavors yet we're moonlight still making pretty much our regular run of beers Uh, we have talked about some other plans to do some additional fun things with uh, some of Patrick's uh, ideas. But uh, none of that's really come to fruition yet. Um, Patrick has an amazing sense of flavor. And uh, some people perceive flavor much more than others uh, and uh, and can manipulate flavors in their mind and add and subtract uh, to create a flavor that it's purely in their mind, but they know what it tastes like and uh patrick has that in spades um he 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 just uh, i know he's one of the the top uh cicerone levels uh or at the top uh but i also recognize he does have a phenomenal resource of uh flavor compounds to play with an understanding of how they integrate and how to get them into a beer for example uh when we first did the deal, someone on an interview that we were all with said, so Patrick, how much chocolate syrup do you have? Or how many cocoa nibs? I can't remember. Do you have in your brewery right now? And he said something like, Oh, about 25 pounds. And there was (laughs) chuckles. He said, yes, but I also make ice cream. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, Uh... you, you know, he, it's not just beer too, because he loves to play with flavors of, of ice cream and lots of different things. Yeah. So um he, he's not just beer fluent. He's fluent a lot. There's more. something
1: there's something fun about him and and what I know of your beers. You know, it's authenticity is something that you know is often talked about in artisanal and craft, but I never feel like Patrick is you know, spinning a bingo wheel and pulling three flavors out and making his stout. Like, even no matter how far away from, you know, sanity, he strays, no matter what he marries, it always feels like it has an intention. So and I remember when he was avoiding making IPAs, what he was making was a hoppy lager. So I, I hope you guys have as much fun as I am imagining you do. But anyway, as we go from there, let's move on back to Moonlight and what it does. Because John and I have spent a lot of this year, you know, John and I have been doing this show for eight years, and we've been we end up in these kind of grooves for a certain amount of time until it's worn thin and then we move on. But we've been in this fun, very new generation small beer lager brewing, good word shilling, human robot, the seed um east coast or eastern east of the mississippi world for the last six eight months and really kind of enjoying that crown kind of stuff and all of them kind of look to you as you know somebody to aspire to somebody you know so on and so forth how often do you get to go far past the edges of california and fuck around with other brewers and how much are you just kind of there receiving people at this point however many years in it is which i should know because i can do the math from 96 to 23 but i'm not gonna
2: it was 92 anyway but yeah 92 sorry uh that's <laughs> fine my memory's shot as well so that's good <laughs>
3: um
2: uh, you know we were just in denmark uh at the mick beer festival
3: oh and, fun
2: and it was very fun and uh shared a lot of ideas with other brewers and uh you know so there's that uh but i i don't travel that far for uh, for beer um kind of western states um but zach uh, greenwood's doing all our our brewing he's our head brewer and has been for wow most of 10 years and uh he's just been knocking it out of the park. Um, so I, I don't want to say that he's a better brewer than I am.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> but I'm not going to deny it either.
1: Right. Yeah. So,
2: um, And he's come up with the new recipes. Uh, uh, pretty much all the newer ones are his. Uh, there's some exceptions. Uh, and and when it's his, uh, we generally come up with a concept. Um, we, we don't ever go, we need to have a red lager and make that. Never, right. never. That's a marketing angle, and I hate fucking marketing. Yeah. Um, I'm
1: sure I, you. I want to approach life as, with Heineken.
2: Uh, yeah, that's another <laughs> part of that same sort of things right. that I've learned or already or, didn't like. Um, avoided learning. It's kind of, and I suspect with Patrick, w- when you were mentioned, you know, how does he choose to put these things together? I imagine he wakes up in the morning and goes yeah yeah that thing I thought of that's gonna work because uh, for me when I think of flavors I I don't start by wanting to create a beer I start by having a uh, kind of an an itch in my head it's like god wouldn't a beer like this be good and then I kind of like well how would I make that And I kind of go through the grains I have, could be inspired by a grain oh man, what could I do with this? Um, Or hops or a procedure or minerals or all the different things. Uh, So I I just get an inspiration and then fill in the blanks. Somebody uh, interviewed a famous sculptor and said, well, how do you, you know what to chip away from this chunk of stone to, to make whatever you're gonna make. And he says, Well, I just chip away whatever doesn't belong. And I <laughs> well, that's a shitty ass answer. You're <laughs> dodging the question. And and I kind of like, well, there's really no better answer. How how do I choose what to put in a beer? It's like I I, I truly go through all the grains we have or we have access to and, and I think of them in my head and I think of what they taste like oh no maybe a little of this one but not that one i go through the hops and i go through procedures and i go through all the different components and variables i have and just tweak everything in the direction of that concept i have in my head of what i want it to taste like mm-hmm. um for the record, I'm not a fan of computer generated recipes unless That's the computers okay. are drinking the beer.
1: That's a thing. Oh fuck. Yeah. Like <laughs> all right. I'm not even gonna ask. That's gonna distract us. Speaking of computer generated flavors. Yeah, what 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 was Are it you
3: drinking beer too?
1: Yeah. Can I open it? beer too and drink it? Justin. Yes, please
3: god man go ahead brian it's okay Um, i can't believe you
2: had this uh get in there this
0: podcast for this long without proper instructions
2: just
0: you know you know brian neither can i
1: um uh, to be fair i wrote these instructions down 12 years ago
0: and assumed um, justin was picking it up from there the oh boy what did you say before spinning a
1: bingo wheel and landing on two ingredients um that's oh you're talking about beer too yeah yeah brian really dig in john i'm gonna go through my progression with you okay oh, God. do i have to you
3: yes. don't have to
1: i stopped i stopped when i got the gentian route um but let me tell you how i got there so can taste that that is so good
2: <laughs> are you really liking
1: this beer because I'm 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 going the <laughs> other way. All right. So allow me to allow me to tell the saga of what I've been going through while I've been sipping this, talking about beautiful clean lagers and remembering beer one. Um, so I poured it, drank it. I was like, Oh, it's a juice bomb hazy. And then I was like, Did they put orange in it? And then I was like, Did they put orange zest in it? And then I was like, Did they put bergamot in it? Yeah. And then it's a- it's important I digress here for a moment. So 10 whatever many years ago uh, so 10 whatever many years ago when when seltzer water not drunk seltzer but clean seltzer we're getting flavors by La Croix I conceived a brand where it was we'd make our own bitters add the bitters to the seltzer under whatever and put it out as kind of a grown-up seltzer drink not you know not whatever and Boy, did that market get away before I ever did that. But I found a bitter and seltzers four pack at the food store the other day. Again, non-alcoholic seltzer and bitters. And was like, oh, cool. Somebody did it, brought it home. And it was horrible. Um, It was the worst thing I ever drank. (laughs) And what's funny is it identified an ingredient on it as... I'm going to screw this up, but it was something like gentian root. And my wife was like, what the hell is that? And I was like, I believe it's one of those things people tell me are important to gin that are like besides, you know, besides juniper or whatever, what makes gin, gin? And that's one of the botanicals. And I assume that means it's one of the things in, you know, uh, Angostura or whatever, but, but this doesn't taste anything like good bitters. And then as I've been letting this fruit Bomb Juicy IPA sit on my thing, and I don't know if it's because I drank this seltzer yesterday, but I feel like there's that gentian Root thing in it. And we were talking before, Brian, about the kind of ashiness and prettiness of the finish of a well-balanced, constructed, makes-you-thirsty-again Pilsner. And this is like the opposite way. It's almost like there's... Tree bark or deflavored cinnamon bark in here just to make my tongue feel tannic and like I need to drink more. God, but I have I, no I idea why people would put breath.
2: tree branches and tree bark in beer. That's the most ridiculous thing I can think. Of.
1: <laughs> I think I think that <laughs> happened here. I think I think somebody. Uh, if if you told me this was uh, what's it called when you don't use hops what's Gruet. the old it. Yeah, if it's you told me this was a this was a hopped gruit, like a dry hopped it, i'd be like okay totally
3: fine
0: got all it of my tree roots i like that maybe you we're going with orange like orange zest and everything because all i got was those those burnt dried out flavors of like peel and um like dried I can't. You were saying bergamot before. I'll go along with that. But there, there's, well, keep in mind, you know,
1: bergamot is dried bitter orange. Peel. No, I, I, yeah,
0: yeah. But there's, but there's a, there's, there's another like dried root, like, like, a, like a. I, it'll come to me at some point. But like, there's, it, it, like, it's
1: ginger root. I'm telling you, I had it in a seltzer yesterday.
0: Okay, I mean, you're <laughs> saying, yeah, it's there. There is very much. Is that ginger as well? Is that is that maybe that's unrelated?
1: Okay. I don't have any ginger here. This is one of those things. Remember when we had Jesse on and he was telling us how to build a gin and he made a list of like six things that like I've never heard of in any of my food life or whatever. And he's like, yeah, those are the botanicals you build gin around. It's one. This feels like three or four of those things. Yeah. Like it, like the, the Amari flavors that are like, you know, Chinar and so on. Like it feels like that, but it's just in the finish. When I'm drinking it, it just tastes like a hazy. Yeah,
0: Brian, you've had a chance to sip on this for a few minutes now. What's your What's your take? I feel like I'm in Hawaii and it's a pineapple
2: juice, half and half beer. <laughs> All
1: right, fair enough.
2: Uh, I possibly get what you're describing as jinshin. Uh I. I don't know that herb, I've seen it uh, listed and I've never actually had it in my possession except for maybe in a gin. Um, but there's some unusual things in here, I suspect. Um, it's not exactly a fruit bomb, but there's definitely a pineapple or orange or or some component there. Um,
1: I don't know, it's, uh, there, it, I've had worse. <laughs> yeah no, no. I so I'm just confused by the finish. It's as if somebody found a really old sherry barrel and somehow aged a hazy in it. You know what I mean? Like there's just okay, there's a, there's a weird herbal dryness to it that I just can't place. And it, like I said, it's all finished when I'm drinking it. it just tastes like, you know, well, somebody's hazy. I yeah. like
2: to play with different aspects of bitterness and actually astringency. Like, uh, we do have a beer, the working for tips, which is made with redwood branches and no hops, or the legal amount Ooh. of hops, which is
1: insignificant. Yeah. Two um, pellets. Uh,
2: <laughs> with something like that. Yeah, it's less than Bud Light. I tell that to people. They go, oh, so nothing. <laughs> That's and, funny. Uh, and I, I use the the bark of the branch, uh, the tannins in that to provide the bitterness, and it's really more astringent than it's bitter, but our, our brains really don't understand the difference of that, and there's a lot of other things that make bitterness, and they're delightful, and and they do make you salivate and want more, and I could imagine if whoever made this was saying, well, let's try some other things that are bitter that are not hops. Because this, that finish doesn't feel like a hop finish.
1: Yeah, I think I think we all agree on that. Um, and now Justin will tell us it's Allegash's new haze bomb.
3: <laughs> you guys are dancing all over it. This is from Sloop Brewing. This is their Jaegermeister inspired hazy IPA.
1: Ah. Uh,
3: so it says orange, they put, orange, zest, they put... and ginger, but also secret or not so secret herbs and spices all right you got the zest i was
0: picking up on ginger that's okay is there
1: any does it say any fruit is there any orange or pineapple in it because okay but and no ginger and ginger, yeah, and ginger which Sean said or you said um mm, and the secret herbs or spices are going to be i guess is they didn't put Jaeger Meister in it, right? It's not sweet enough because Jaeger's is no, a super not actually, sweet thing. No, I think so it's like the, just, the It's Jaeger's Botanicals.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Gotcha. So, so yeah, it's. I said Chinar, but that makes more sense. If you take yeah. the sugar out of Jaeger, that's pretty much where you are.
3: Sorry, guys.
1: It's all right, dude. You had to try it. <laughs> Do we that's like a fun sloop? beer?
3: I think we like
1: sloop, don't we?
3: Yeah, yeah sure.
2: I give him so much boi- bonus points for being creative and not being yeah. creative and dumb, being creative and doing something that is a beverage we all know. And um, you know, keeping it within the beverage category, but reaching out. Yeah. Stretching the limits. And there's I sometimes like, you like can stretch idea. limits and it's wrong. But this is <laughs> this is interesting.
1: I like I like the idea of. Like I usually drink Jaeger shots with, you know, pilsner. I like the idea of chasing a, an other half with a Jaeger and seeing if this is where I land. Hmm. The, it's funny because I imagine without any of those herbs, it's just a nicely pretty juice bomb, right? Like every because the 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 astringency we talked about is definitely separate from the palate of the beard. You know what
3: I mean? No. Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> fine.
1: Um, all right. So now it's almost time for us to wrap it up. So let's get back to moonlight. You, you have a very important meeting with, with Patrick. So where, how, far? how do they come to you? Where do they, where do they experience your beers? How far do you reach from California distribution wise? What's what's the footprint at this point, and where do we get your beers? Um,
2: well, I'm gonna have to go to an airport, I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> I got no problem with that.
2: Uh, we just went into Oregon, actually, as of about last Monday. So, Congratulations!
3: Uh,
2: yeah, so there's that. Uh, otherwise, we're in Northern California and and a few places in in uh, Southern California, but uh, that's as far as we've got. We we're just not all that big. I think we're scheduled to make uh, 6,000 barrels or something like that this year. And uh, you know, that's, that's a big country to spread that over.
1: Yes, it is. And we'd
2: rather have it show up fresh wherever someone's gonna drink it instead of just ship it to uh, New Jersey and uh, you know, not worry about that, uh, what it's gonna be like in the back of that semi all the way across the uh, Midwest and, and through the heat waves.
1: Oh, let me ask you one quick question um, that came to me while we were talking about your progression from Schlitz out. Do you as a lager brewer, do you filter, do you DE, do you centrifuge and <laughs> do you wish you could any of those or are you just being super patient in the tank? Well, it's a funny thing.
2: I I, I don't do any of those things except for patience. <laughs> uh, we don't filter we don't centrifuge we don't find do you have uh, horizontals we i don't have hor- we well, used to uh, we switched them out instead of having horizontals we have squat tanks short short tanks because you know it, it's that same dis- difference about beachwood aging in and i love to describe a bag of potato chips in the surface area in there or um, even having it stirred so the yeast contact is happening. If you have a a short tank or a horizontal, it's not very far from any spot in the beer to where the yeast is. And that's what we do. We have four foot sidewall tanks on all our aging tanks. So um, yeah, they're short and it just makes better beer. And, you know, you can centrifuge a beer or filter it and get it out the door a whole lot faster. But you know what you accomplish in getting clear beer? Do you ever accomplish flavor maturation? No. So, and if flavor maturation is gonna happen in the same relative time frame as settling of the yeast, assuming you have good yeast handling processes, then <laughs> If you want to take the shortcut on one, you're still going to have to take the shortcut on the other. I I Hell with filtration. Uh, I want it to mature and taste right before we release it. And if these are going to settle in that time, why waste your time abusing yourself and the beer by filtration or centrifuge or anything like that? You just don't need to.
3: If you know what you're
2: doing, a good hard kettle a boil that's critical to do that um the right ingredients yeah some other things <laughs> um, we don't uh when we move from fermentation to aging we don't use a pump it's all uh pushed by gas by nice. nitrogen. and uh if you don't whip up all those delicate proteins into smaller bits that won't settle then they stay in bigger chunks to settle sooner. Understood. And uh, that's one of the big differences, perhaps, that allows us not to have to deal with all that crap in the
1: beer. I love it. All right, well, thanks. And I, 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 Like I said, we brought up centrifuges and like I said, it's a tool I use for flavoring stuff a lot, a la Patrick Rue, but but I also use horizontals for my lager. So I'm glad to hear you say those words. That's super reassuring. Thank you. Um, Mr. Kennedy, do you have a letter?
3: I do. I got a good one.
1: Really? If yeah. you do say so yourself.
3: I do say so myself. It's I didn't write it, but it's from <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. H. says, Kennedy, my man, I appreciate you guys talking, taking the time to discuss Anchor Brewing's recent closure. I'm not sure they've closed yet, but. I understand. What they
1: that. have. It has of yesterday. Yes. Oh, it has.
3: Okay. Okay. Uh, Anchor Steam was my gateway beer and opened my eyes to what beer could be. I had nothing like it when I started drinking in college, and it set me on a path towards trying anything and everything I could get my hands on. That being said, Anchor Steam was a beer I came back to at least once a year as a comfort beer when I needed it. I could always count on it, and it makes me sad that it won't be there when I want the nostalgic taste that reminded me of why I got into beer in the first place. My question for you guys is. What was your gateway beer, and does it remain the comfort beer to you that Anchor Steam was to me? All the best, Ryan. Oh,
2: wow! Sierra Pale
3: Ale, forever and always. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: -hmm. I grew up with a ton of beer in my life, so that didn't happen. So I'm when you're describing what I'm hearing. I think it's going to be Marriage Parfait. Um, but it might also be Dogfish 60. Because I always loved beer. I always had, um, you know, like I said, I you, we've talked about this already. We don't need to talk about my house growing up, but there were always every beer in the world available. But it was Marriage Parfait introducing the idea of what fermentation could do outside you know a striving for perfectly clean beer because you know that's the world I grew up in and then there was obviously a pivot in my interest in beer as the aromatics got more developed and it, it wasn't 60 but it was that class of IPAs with you know, how are they making this smell like all these things that I don't associate with beer aromas like weed and grapefruit and all those things of that generation of four ingredient IPAs, you know, it could it could have been Maharaja, it could have been Racer 5, it could have been any whichever one of those but it was a series of like 10 or 12 of those where i was like what is going on in beer right now and i do still love going back to those you know those when i can find them like 60 that are that still evoke those feelings obviously you can learn from the show that doesn't happen with flower power anymore but with uh with the ones that do nugget nectar you know anything from the Trogues brothers still reminds me of drinking in the mid-aughts um you know there's there's a hit list of them i'd love to say stone but i don't know that i really ever connected with arrogant Banser the way i thought i did um that's that's yeah i'm going to say 60 or parfait one for fermentation one for dry hopping Hall, Red Hook, ESV. Okay, so Sierra Nevada of the of the East Coast. Uh, sure. Uh, Kennedy, what about you?
3: Um, I'm gonna say shoot. I want to say Dogfish 90 actually because oh. I used to ride Amtrak a lot when my wife and I were living in two different cities, and uh,
1: you were in D.C. right.
3: She was in D.C., I was in New York. Got and it. I drink that beer a lot on the train. So it's a, it's a comfort beer for me. <laughs> hey,
0: right. Cass, tell us your, uh, your gateway beer and then take us he home. He already did.
3: And we didn't hear from Brian yet.
2: Yeah, I got to do it. I'm going to say Anchor. Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to go yeah. with Anchor too? That's nice. I'm absolutely going with Anchor. Anchor was an inspiration like no other. Uh, it was the only one that stood out when it did. And when they moved to the new brewery in about 78, um, it it was just the most stunning uh, brewery. And uh, the beer just shone and it just had this personality. And if you ever met Fritz, that beer had fritz's personality (laughs) and as an interesting note the brewery that fritz bought that they moved from in about 78 had no refrigeration (laughs) imagine (laughs) that is the level of technology of that brewery and that is a historical museum piece of course it's gone now but uh, but that's that was my inspiration for the longest time. And I, I loved their beers. I just had a couple anchors Sunday night and um, well, it, it's maybe Fritz's personality has changed too, but uh, it, it wasn't as vibrant as it was back then. Or maybe just because the only environment back then was Bud Miller and Coors that uh, it didn't take much to be vibrant, I don't
1: know. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Cass. Get them to send us money and write us reviews. No Cass. All right, Holly, you do it. Sorry, I'm holding a child in a gate for people to get out of the
0: pool area here. Uh, Patreon.com slash steal this beer. Thank you
1: all that donate to us.
3: Uh, we appreciate you. Hope you're having a wonderful summer. And yeah, follow us on all the social medias at steal this beer. See what we're drinking on on tap. Steal this beer. I don't think I'm missing All anything.
1: Nope. <laughs> All right, chill, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. We appreciate Pleasure you being always, here, sir. Happy to be here, and thanks for the beers. Right on. Get at us, y'all.